What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode number four of the Big Players Only podcast. Got a full room tonight. Myself, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and old Kenny Oneput here. Honda Classic wrapping up this past Sunday. A crazy finish as the skies open up and it pours torrentially for the last two or three holes. Sepp Straka fends off the field uh, in a pretty controversial win. Uh, lots to talk about there. We'll recap our picks which weren't that great, so that's why we're looking forward to this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We've done our research. We got some locks for you. We got our picks to win and a variety of long shots. This is Arnie's Place, uh, Bay Hill, just just one of the best venues in, in the country. And then you got a pretty stacked field. Usually produces a pretty solid winner. Other events happening this week we'll chat about are the HSBC Women's World Championship. And then this past Monday, a cool event and the 2022 Seminole Pro Member or Member Guest. And in this case, the guests are just... Tons of tour pros, PGA and LPGA, just a cool event. Then to finish out the episode, we got a really fun topic on how to plan a golf trip. We do it every year. We've been eight people. We've been 16 people. We've been 12 people. We go back and forth. We go up and down the East Coast, uh, and there's so much to plan. We got to plan the house, the food, the who's driving, who's carpooling, all that fun stuff. Should be a great episode. Hey, if you haven't yet, go follow us on Instagram at Big Players Only Pod. That's at Big Players Only Pod. Our story is up to date with all the breaking news in the world of golf, LPGA, PGA, European Tour, Saudi League. And then all of our posts are related to each of us big players. Talk about our picks. We'll talk about the episodes. As the weather starts to warm up, you'll see lots more on-the-course footage. And then in the event, we do actually pick a winner, which we have so far. Colin picks Scotty Scheffler at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, there's a really fun face swap of him and Scotty as if they're in the movie Step Brothers. So really funny content. Keep up to date with all the stuff in golf and then up with us. Thanks and hope you enjoyed the episode. All right, wrapping up the Honda Classic this week, uh, a tournament I don't think anyone was necessarily looking forward to. Not a crazy talented field, but sure did it live up to the hype. I mean, a great finish, uh, 10 under the winning score. Anything that's that's close to the single digits is always some tough golf. Sepp Straka becomes the first Austrian native to ever win on the PGA Tour. Big props to him. He didn't come out of nowhere. I know he played really well in the Olympics this year, or last year, so uh, props to him. Uh, a pretty big letdown for Daniel Berger as he leads the tournament through three, almost three and a half rounds. Crumbles on the front nine as putter kind of lets him down. Does a pretty good job on the back nine, but just uh, not enough fight. And then uh, as the weather condition changed, uh, he needed eagle on the last and fans it in the water. Actually, Daniel made a pretty interesting comment here after the second round. He was uh, he shot five under, five under to start the tournament. He was ten under after two rounds, and he comments that ten under could win the tournament. Well, he was right. It just wasn't him. Pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, still a pretty strong performance from him. A, a comeback off of an injury. Uh, I think he's someone that we're all probably looking at as we head into some of these bigger events like the players and the masters. Uh, something that uh, as as we hit this Eastern swing and some of these courses that we aren't necessarily looking at for really tough conditions, uh, only 15 guys managed to shoot under par after four rounds uh, playing the bear trap at PJ National. It continues to be a crazy hard PJ Tour stop. Uh, two guys in the top 10 that make the biggest jumps this week in the FedEx Cup rankings are Shane Lowry, who jumps 175 spots, also Tippy's body double, and then Kurt Kitayama jumping 130 spots. Uh, just a quick recap Kitty on the... Cat. Yeah, what a name. That's what they called him on the PGA Tour Live. Uh, recapping the top 10, Seb Straka wins, Shane Lowry second one shot back, Kurt Kitayama two shots back, Daniel Berger three shots back, Gary Woodland and Alex Noren six shots back, and then... Uh, not too many other notable names. Alex Noren at four under, Chris Kirk at three under, another Bulldog and Keith Mitchell. So actually three Bulldogs in the top in the top nine. Pretty impressive. Uh, Brian Stewart with his unbelievably slow play gets a T9. What defines a Bulldog? Georgia. Three Bulldogs? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you meant like he's literal just a competitor. Bulldog. He's question. just a real competitor. I thought you were like, these guys are defined as Bulldogs. So everyone that finishes in the top ten makes a jump in the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, not too many, uh, not too many big names here in the top ten, but uh, a great week of golf. Yeah, for sure. And just to touch on it a little bit, I mean, Sepp Straka, really not much experience on the tour, especially when it, he's competing, and he made the bear trap look 
just mundane and really easy. He went three under his last five holes to really seal the deal here, and especially the 18th hole, these guys had to play a typical Florida fashion. This this monsoon rolls in out of nowhere. Sepp Straka pounds one right down the middle in the pouring rain. He, he hits a 200-yard shot right on the green, set up a walk-in birdie. So he really hit the shots down the stretch. Impressive for a guy who's never really been at the top to – to kind of take over from these experienced veterans like Daniel Berger and Shane Lowry, who looked so uncomfortable trying to tee off in the rain and and really didn't know what to do. It's it's really hard for us to be able to appreciate how difficult it is to play a ball in the rain when it's dumping like that. I mean, I've played in the rain. It's fun. It's not hard. Well, played well in the rain? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's do easy I to go out there with well? your umbrella and hit a couple shots like three feet in front of you taking a huge divot, but... Is that not how you're supposed to golf? <laughs> I kind of really respect these guys. Like, when that rain started coming down, I think us as viewers are like, get on with it. But they're low-key, like, looking at a rules official, like, staring at him, like, hoping they're going to delay the round, and they just didn't get it. I mean, that rain was absolutely dumping. I really feel like it was, you know, fucking um, Bill Murray just standing over there saying, nope, heavy stuff's not coming down for a while. <laughs> Keep hitting, Kurt Kadiyama. That's so true. I cannot imagine hitting that those pressure high-pressure shots with a wet grip. That club would be coming out of my head. It's got to be mental. It's just got to be all mental. A wet ball, wet grip, wet club. I mean, just everything is against you. And for those guys to just step up and knock it close. And then we saw Daniel Berger try and do the same thing. And he flails one out into the water after what looked like he might be able to make an eagle there. But Shane Lowry hits a very poor drive, really took himself out of uh, the chance to make a birdie. So, yeah, these guys came through – or. Straka especially came through in the rain here. Pretty impressive stuff. How much benefit do you think he got by going off like early in that rain? Because Berger was hitting from what, like 260 yards to try to get on the green versus Straka was 200 yeah, so, yards out? So he really, like you said, benefits from getting to hit his tee ball. He hit the longest drive of the tournament on his 72nd hole, the tee shot on 18, really set him up to be in prime position to attack that flag. There's no chance he's carrying it that far and getting that much roll after it's been pouring down rain for even a couple minutes. So, yeah, Luck's on his side today or at the tournament, and he pulls out his first ever victory. That thing looked like it was heading straight for the bunker, too. When he hit that, I was like, oh, boy, he's oh, in was trouble. Crazy carry. Carried right into yeah. the center of the fairway. I think the second shot, like, I don't really know the science behind a, a wet golf ball, but I know that it really heavily decreases spin. So being 250 out, I'm not sure Berger even had a chance to hold that green, so... Step, step. I mean, it was a great shot, but having an iron in your hand there is absolutely necessary to hold that green when it's wet. But yeah, Sepp Straka, another big week for the Georgia Bulldogs, like we talked about. I mean, the dogs. They, what are so Bulldogs? <laughs> what, what are Bulldogs again? Yeah. I think he they could hail be from Georgia. If you're from Georgia, you're a Bulldog. You think Sepp has the chance to be the best Austrian golfer of all time? <laughs> Bernd Wiesberger is that the is that how you say his name? He's also an Austrian. I think he's probably better at this point. But I mean, yeah, he's like he's definitely I, got potential. I just Sepp's looked up so, career Austrian men. Sepp's only wins. like he's only 28. Could be the best. Kind of just like, I don't really know too many guys named Sepp that are like younger than 40. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anyone named very Sepp. Austrian. <laughs> I know a lot of Sepps. I, he's my new enemy. Sepp, I mean, I was I literally texted the group in the morning like, I'm ready for my Burger Coronation tour. I got ready. I sat down. I watched Sunday. And I was just so... He got that... When Burger got that seven on... What was the Three. par five? The, oh, the front yeah, nine, like the five front, or something. It was like the third the hole. The third, yeah, third hole. He just like didn't look the same after that. I, I just don't well, know what ball happened. Was, was this ball buried in the bunker there? Yeah, yeah he, he had, plugged he, it. Yeah. But didn't really have a With choice a wedge, other though, than double. Yeah, just the lead evaporated, man. I, and then Lowry had I, – I, I knew it was a bad sign when Lowry was in the final pair because he just like brings it and he has so much energy. I feel like his presence kind of took away from Berger. Like Berger, if Berger was paired with somebody else that was a little less well-known, he might have – I don't know. Maybe he would have done better. I'm Are you sure. saying Dan Berger is mentally weak? I mean, he didn't show – didn't show, you know – Hot take there, Ken. Hot you'd, you'd expect a little more me. from a Ryder Cup veteran than to me just fold bit. like a lawn chair on Sunday with a five-stroke lead. I think it's the putter. It's all the putter. Like, look, I didn't look at the stats, but I know his strokes gained putting in the final round was atrocious. He I didn't make a yeah, putt. He lost like feet. four and a half strokes on the final round putting. You just get a little tight. It's what happens. Right, he's my third favorite golfer. He Paul Casey, like, Victor, and then my guy Berger. Yeah, he 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 could have been first. He could have gone to second this Where, week. Where's no. Charlie on that list? Charlie who? Sifford Woods. Charlie Woods is like 58th, not number one. All right, sorry, I'll stop. But, yeah, the most notable highlight of Sepp Straka's PGA Tour bio, the guy is a Coke addict. 
Wow. Hey, DJ, DJ, I got a friend for you. If he knows that he's traveling to a tournament that only serves Pepsi, he's carrying cases of Diet Coke. What? With him to each tournament. I mean, At least the, he's being the, healthy. The, the guy can't travel without it. So just interesting fact about the guy. It's like it's hard to find. Like, he can't just stop at the yeah, supermarket. Like, everywhere. he's got to take it with him in his golf bag. Skeptical. Too funny. All right. Well, great recap. Good week. Tyler, fill us in on our picks. They weren't too good, were they? Yikes. They weren't the best. I mean, obviously, Ken looked great from the start. Um, Ken, walk, walk us through that emotional roller coaster you went on. Like you said, you were texting the group talking about how great Burger had it. Had it locked up and then... The, the collapse, we'll I call it. I don't need to say much more. I it was. I didn't realize when I picked Burger like how <laughs> this is my oversight, but how like much how well he knew the course. He's just like he grew boy, up there. Yeah. He just boys with everyone that works there. He's there all the time. He did the charity event there. Like he he was just so set. Uh, maybe he was too comfortable. I don't know. I mean, I just. I think he just lost it in the first couple holes, and then he never got it back. I expect I expected him to take more chances. Like he kind of just played, like kind of plateaued a little bit. And I, you know, he didn't really like hit any huge shots, and maybe he was playing a little bit too conservative. I think maybe between holes like seven through twelve, he should have taken some more chances, but he kind of just stayed even keel. So I don't know. Yeah, I was really hoping the stars were going to align, especially you hyping up his sand game, and he drained <laughs> one out of the bunker on Sunday, and I thought that was going to be the uh, signature the shot kickstart. of the tournament. Yeah. You know, you could talk about not only picking him, a lot of but talking about state. how he was going to win it. So, yeah, that would have been good for me. That ironically played such a big role in his tournament. He's just so good out of the sand. He had a great tournament out of the sand. And now Colin can just, just keep bragging about his Scheffler. I was so happy to just take that <laughs> mantle on that, but, you know. Whatever. We'll get another winner. Yeah, oh, yeah we'll whatever. get one soon. So the uh, flip of the burger pick, um, we had... <laughs> hey! Oh, hey! That wasn't even on purpose. The uh, we we had <laughs> we had uh, two missed cuts this week, so we got to highlight those. Uh, we'll, Tully, we'll start with you. A little Tommy Fleetwood action missing the cut. Uh, what were you seeing from him this week, and uh, do you see him bouncing back? You know, golf and gambling—they're like a roller coaster. They have their ups and downs. Tom, Tommy was down this week. You know, he wasn't putting great, but Tommy and I will both be back. That's this, but next week we're we're hitting it big. I'm telling yes, you, come back. And then um, Benny. Joaquin, I know we were talking about it. We dropped the little Drake line and everything, too, talking back-to-back. I do have another Drake line for you this week. It's This one's actually called, Hold On, We're Going Home. <laughs> so, Joaquin missing the cut. What do you got to say about your boy? I, I guess I first have to recognize that my waking visions may not be as profitable <laughs> as I hope they'd be. Um, I think when you talk about roller coasters and you talk about my season so far and our DraftKings and then picking picking guys to win tournaments, I haven't quite hit that apex yet. I'm still kind of like climbing the hill. Uh, Joaquin was four under on his front nine on Thursday, was leading the tournament. I was going to text you guys, but I'm like, no, I don't want to jinx it. And then he shoots four over the bag, shoots even, has a pretty mediocre day on Sat- on Friday. Uh, coming down the stretch, hits a few good shots. He has about 200 yards into 18. He just needs a birdie to make the cut. Puts it in the water, makes a far, misses the cut by one. Uh, he's still hitting the ball really well. Uh, but I think his putter kind of continues to let him down. Yeah, I, th- I thought I was going to join you, actually. Uh, I had a picked uh, Louie, and he was not looking good after round one. Uh, five over after round one, and I, th- I thought I was toast. I thought that was a missed cut for sure. Uh, but really bounced back with a five under round two to make the cut, then kind of just held on, uh, finished with a tied for 30th. Um, so really not the most eventful round, but at least made the cut. So I got that streak continued. I believe I'm the only one that has your really last it one left. Nothing. It literally means nothing. No, it's impressive. I think it's impressive, Ken. So another, another a little closer to the sun, baby. Another thing with Louie is not only was he five over through round one, he was six over through 27 holes and then shoots 29, I think, coming yeah, in 29 on, on, the back on Friday to, to make the cut. And then has a pretty solid weekend. Top, See, that's the top type 30. of talent I saw when I was picking him for this week, but I guess it's just only got it for a nine-hole stretch or whatever it may be. No, I mean, to go six under on that back nine with the bear trap is impressive. It's a shame the guy just doesn't know how to win. <laughs> <laughs> See him in Europe, baby. Um, let's Speaking of not knowing how to win, uh, Billy Ho, Gator Chomp. Billy, Billy. What Billy, do you, you got to say there, Colin? Uh, tie for 16, not bad. Well, speaking of knowing how to win, I believe I'm the only one here who has won. Oh, so come on. We so get let's just get it. that straight right off the bat. Billy Billy, you know, he was had a tough Friday. He, he was flaring things out to the right, couldn't hit any putts, but, you know, he was three over after the 15th hole, I believe, and he showed some complete stones the last three holes to c- get back under the cut line Big and stones. make that cut. And then he actually played really well on the weekend. He made the cut on the number at plus two and then shot two under on the weekend to get back to even top 20. Pretty solid, actually. Yeah, yeah good weekend for Billy. And can we talk about his pink pants on Sunday? Oh, my God. 
Is that a, a guy? good oh my god or a bad oh my god? A great oh my god. Are you kidding me? In a tournament where the four, were they guys, tight? four guys coming down the stretch that had a chance to win were all wearing plain black and white shirts. We had Billy out there rocking pink pants. Come on. I will, I will say watching Berger and Lowry in the last group both wearing all black was a little boring. I just wish that Billy had been wearing a Patrick Rogers, you know, speckled pink whatever shirt he was wearing on Friday. <laughs> yep. Ugh. You know, I think the days of the of the the Black Knight, Dark Knight, what do they call Gary Player, the Black Knight? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that he kind of coined that all black look, and it it can look good. But I swear, like the last four Sundays we've seen final groups sporting like very boring colors. So props to Billy. It might have died with Phil, though. We'll see. <laughs> they were debating Ricky's uh, Sunday orange, though, during the broadcast. I didn't see his. I didn't see what he's wearing. They were like, it's a little bit more neon than usual. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Vic, watch out for Vic. He'll wear those, too. Yeah, true, true. College colors, right? Yep, OK State. Yeah. yeah and then ra- wrapping up our picks What's from last bulldog? week. Not a bulldog. Um, but he's a we, dog, though. <laughs> we, we got, he's a cowboy. Yeah, all right. We got, <laughs> all right, Let me get this out. Got, you wanted more banter. <laughs> we got Tub going with Brooks Kepka with the tie for 16th. Tub, what were your thoughts on his round? Uh, really didn't look great at all. Watching a little bit of the, the coverage Thursday, Friday, couldn't really do anything. I don't really think he made more than four or five birdies the whole, uh, whole tournament. So... Tied 16th, pretty shocked, but I think that's just his bogey avoidance and being able to hang in some rounds when he doesn't have his stuff. His short game looked pretty top-notch this this week. I mean, he was he was missing a lot of greens. He's still, like, working on his driver a bit. I feel like he's not quite as – like, when he was winning all those majors, he was driving the golf ball pretty much better than anyone in the world, and he's just not quite there right now. All right, so, yeah, so no winners this week for the boys, but uh, we'll, we'll hit you later here with uh, – I'm feeling a winner for the Arnold Palmer, so listen in and we'll get some good winners. Nice here, Arnold Palmer coming up. All right, the week of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Dubby, give us a recap. What are we looking for? Yeah, this week we got the Arnold Palmer Invitational at the Bay Hill Club and Lodge in Orlando, Florida. Obviously, from the name, this is really all about the late Arnold Palmer and his legacy. I mean, he's got a storied history here. And, you know, it's it's really cool. You know, the PGA Tour does a lot working with charities and everything. But this week especially, we're really showcasing Arnie's Army and all the work he does for for underprivileged youth and and everything like that so it's it's really cool to see the tour giving back and especially when it's so much on the forefront of the tournament happening this week so if we look back at last year Bryson DeChambeau wins with an 11 under a final round pairing with Lee Westwood who he bested by one stroke I think the iconic shot of this tournament last year was Bryson's Huge drives on the sixth hole par five where he's clearing the water by about huge. 350 and then, you know, celebrating like a madman. Oh, when he started pointing the air. Yeah. yeah. Other than Bryson, we have a couple other past winners here over the last four or five years. We got Tyrell Hatton winning in basically a hurricane. Yeah. I think he finished four under, maybe two, three other guys were under par. Uh, Francisco Molinari, Rory McElroy, Mark Leishman, and of course, You can't talk about the Arna Palmer Invitational without mentioning the GOAT, Tiger Woods. He's won here eight times. That's just crazy. Colin, I think you sent us a stat earlier today. What was that? Yeah, so Tiger Woods has made about $7,700,000 on this tournament alone. The next two in line behind him are Leishman and I believe DeChambeau. You combine their earnings... And he, they're still one million short of Tiger Woods, and Tiger hasn't played in this, or he's played in this tournament once since 2013. Wow, even with inflation, I guess. <laughs> Suck it, Ben. Sorry, I didn't do the math there. So we're at Arnold Palmer's Bay Hill Club and Lodge, par 72, about 7,400 yards, built in 1960. This place is really best known for being Arnold Palmer's winter home. He came down here all the time from Pennsylvania, kind of started taking it over. I think he bought the place sometime in the 80s. In 2009, he led the renovation, made a lot of updates to the course, making it a lot more difficult for these players out here, adding in some collection areas around the green. So we're going to see a lot of things like we did last week at the Honda, uh, added a lot of bunkers to make the shots a lot more intimidating coming into the greens. He flattened the greens to make the pin locations a lot more flexible so he can make them more difficult. And this is one of the hardest courses to play on tour. I mean, like we kind of mentioned 
scores aren't very low here. I mean, Bryson last year, 11 under. That's kind of your run-of-the-mill score here. So it's a very challenging course. The top players are usually going to rise to the top here. Course history, with it being so difficult, this isn't a course you're going to come to for the first time or second time and, and play well. You It really pays off to have experience here. So that's why we're favoring experience this week and the higher-ranked players who are used to playing these tougher courses. Bay Hill's really well-known for having long, thick rough, meant to play really fast and firm. The wind is going to play a factor this week. I think the wind's going to be calm for the most part Thursday, Friday. We're going to start seeing some high gusts over the weekend, so we're going to we're going to see some high scores potentially if the wind can live up to the forecast. So that's going to favor these low ball strikers even more to be able to navigate this course. Bay Hill, of all the courses played on the PGA Tour, they have the longest par threes averaging all about 212 yards. Boys, how do you feel about that playing Every single par three over 200 yards. I was noticing last week they're pretty long, too. I mean, that's just four, four holes in a round. I mean, we would, <laughs> I can't imagine we'd be averaging triple bogey on these holes. A lot of drivers into those holes, probably. Especially when it's windy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big fan of having to use, you know, a four iron or three hybrid off of a tee. So, I mean, I'm going to lose a lot of balls, especially on these courses with all that sand and water everywhere. It's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah, definitely a tough task this week on the par threes. And, and even to take it a step further, this course has more than double the average of 200, 225-yard iron shots. So we're really favoring long, long iron players this week. So the longer hitters, the guys striking their, their longer irons better are going to be you know, in a much more favorable position. So as we talked about with the long rough, definitely want to keep the tee shots accurate here. Stay in the fairway as much as possible. We saw Bryson kind of bomb and gouge it a little bit last year playing out of the rough, but... When you're hitting it so much further, it's a little bit easier playing out of the rough here. But even with the uh, importance of accuracy, I think the longer hitters are still going to have an advantage. You know, with this course playing so firm and fast, these guys can just hit that driving iron off the tee, keep it in play, put themselves in great positions to attack the greens with middle, middle lower irons. And the name of the game here is you have to capitalize on the par fives. They're, they're longer for sure, but that's really the scoring opportunities. All four of the par fives is where you have to take advantage if you want to put yourself in a good position here to win the tournament. Yeah, I think you're, uh, you're looking at a pretty good mix of players here that have won. Bryson, long hitter. Hatton, eh, he can hit it long, but he's not really known for his distance. Molinari, another short hitter. McElroy, pretty long. And then Leishman, not much of a long hitter either. So I like it. This should be a good mix up at the top here. Can yeah, and you, you can't talk about Bay Hill without seeing... I'm going to step out of my lane here a little bit. Maybe Colin can take over, but we're going to see a lot of the reds, the greens, the yellows, you know, celebrating Arnold Palmer's legacy and that iconic umbrella logo. One comment about fashion. I think Bomb and Gouge would be a good fashion name. Just like <laughs> just like a men's golf line. It's got to be. that. That's a good one. Copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> trademark, trademark, trademark. I said one funny thing I saw. Ken's great pick last week of Daniel Berger... <laughs> Predicated on his great bunker play, which actually proved to be like a very big deciding factor. He probably why he even hung in it because he was playing pretty bad on Sunday. Don't say what you're about to say. Just let it go. No, but this week is interesting because I think we're playing another course that's had that is relatively <laughs> well bunkered. But you know, looking at statistics, it shows that bunker play is really not that important this week. It's pretty interesting, I think. Okay. <laughs> so Daniel Berger is probably not going to win. I think it's the most important. <laughs> important stat around. Gotta it's be a dog. The most important stat. Better be a dog than get out of bunkers. He was number one in Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> My pick this week, I got someone number one in birdies. I bet. Hey, let's let's go to that, Tyler. I bet. Let's talk about our picks this week. <laughs> All right, we're just going to start by rolling through the uh, favorites. We're going to look at the top ten guys for this week at the Arnold Palmer. Um, recently, we've seen him always at the top of the list, and he and he's there again this week. Is John Rom at plus eight hundred? So that's a Bet $100, you would win $800. Uh, followed, following Rom is Rory McIlroy at plus $1,200. Uh, Ken's boy, Victor Hovland, at plus $1,600. Um, Collins winner, Scotty Scheffler, at plus $1,800. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama at plus $2,000. Then we've actually got five golfers, all with plus 2,900 odds. We've got Tyrrell Hatton. We've got Mark Leishman, Sungjae M., Matthew Fitzpatrick and Adam Scott rounding out the top 10. Uh, so looking at the picks for the boys, uh, whoever's at the top of the list, we're actually going to start off with Josh. Josh is going with Rory McIlroy this week at plus 1,200. Josh, what were you thinking? Yeah, I just love his course history here. I mean, like we mentioned, he's won in the past. He's 
it rounding into form. He had a top 10 at the Genesis, similar kind of field here. And he's been on record as saying this course really fits his game well. So I think he's, he's started to like playing this course a lot. And so I think his long game, being able to put himself in good positions off the tee as well as he hits it, I think he's going to, I think he's going to do well with all those longer iron shots. I mean, that's really a, a strength of his game. And his putting's been kind of carrying him recently. So I like I like that trend to continue here and for him to contend. Yeah, I kind of like that Rory pick. Actually, I'm kind of upset I didn't go with it myself because you got to think he's probably in a pretty good headspace this week. He just played earlier this week with his dad and what is the Seminole Open or whatever that was called. Um, so you got to think he's coming into this tournament feeling pretty good. And he won a couple years ago, right? Yeah, so he, I think that's I think that's a great pick. Yeah. He could also be just reeling from a long term hangover after playing with his dad, boozing all day. And that could also be an op- opportunity. <laughs> I've seen some people on this podcast that, that struggle from day to day after a long night of drinking. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next it seems to be the uh, recurring pick of the group, but we got Kenny time. going with uh, Victor time. Hovland, uh, fresh probably off of his uh, Grand Canyon. Victor, well, what yeah. do we got? Is this the week? Um, well, I, you know, 75%, uh, greens and reg eighth on tour first and tour on birdie and uh, birdies average five point or, or 5.73. That was so bad. 5.73 per round. That's pretty good. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ride Vic. If I pick Vic 20 tournaments in a row, I'll probably get a win and be the same as Colin, you know, have the same kind of earnings as Colin on Scotty Scheffler's pick. So I'm either going to pick, uh, Vic or, Paul Casey or Daniel Berger probably every time. Every week. (laughs) After your uh, Instagram sleuthing on Vic, uh, do you know if he's seen another Wonder of the World or what are we dealing with? He he has not posted since. Um, But I did did find the skill profiles on Data Golf today, which is probably not news to a lot of people, but his 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 skill profile was heavily weighted towards approach, which is important on this course. So uh, that's part of the reason why I picked him, but mostly just blatant favoritism. Yeah, I'll say one thing about Vic is that the profile of long iron that he plays – really promotes like a higher launch ball and he plays a high cut. So seeing him excel from 200 to 225 would not be surprising at all this week. Yeah. Next on our list um, is actually my pick. Um, I'm stealing it from Colin. I'm going with Scotty Scheffler this week. Um, I feel like there's always one guy every season that just like, seems like it's the year of that guy. We saw it with Justin Thomas a few years ago. Um, I'm thinking this is probably the year of Scotty Scheffler. He uh, got that win on tour a few weeks back he had a second-place finish back in December at the Hero World Challenge. Um, I just think this could be his opportunity to really step up to the forefront, and maybe we start seeing him challenging Rom at the top of the leaderboard every every week for the favorite. So I'm really feeling strong about Scotty this week. He certainly fits that bomb and gouge copyrighted mentality. <laughs> Trademark. He's yeah. got to lock in that slippy foot. <laughs> I love it. I love he swings his swing. Slippy foot. foot copyright. Swing your swing. <laughs> All right, next, next on the list, we've got Ben. I think this has also been a recurring pick, but Ben going with Hideki Matsuyama, uh, plus 2,000. Ben, what do you got about Hideki this week? Yeah, I do think a few of us have really been streaming, guys. When I look at Hideki, I like his game here. He's relatively long. This course isn't too penalizing off the tee, and then it doesn't put much emphasis on short game, which I think can kind of be uh, Hideki's Achilles sometimes. So uh, he's also probably, in my mind, the best mid-long iron player in the world up there with Justin Thomas. So I like him pulling it out this week. Let's also just, you know, wish Hideki a happy birthday. Just turned 30. Yep. You know, look at this guy. He's getting old. Just kind of like you, Tully. Uh, it's, it's depressing, but he's got a much better, you know, path going right now. I don't believe that. <laughs> All right. Next on our list, we're going we're gonna to jump to Colin with uh, his pick of Tyrrell Hatton at plus 2,900. Also love the pick of Tyrrell because I feel like uh, he's one of the guys that's going to throw a club every week, and I'm right there with him. You see him wanting to do it so bad. Snap, Maybe snap it over his leg, but Colin. Is he going to be doing that this week, or is he going to be going low? Oh, man, let's hope not. But I love me some Tyrrell. He's like Jordan Spieth on steroids. Instead of just talking to himself, he's going to talk right into the camera. He's going to drop F-bombs. He doesn't care out there. But let's look at his past finishes here. He's He won two years ago in 2020. He had a top four in um, 2017. Uh, since playing, starting playing this tournament in 2017, he hasn't missed a cut. I mean, have you guys seen this guy's putter? He literally has a worn-out circle in the dead center of it. It's insane. You know what's funny about that putter? I'm like 95% sure. Like three years ago, he was playing in a tournament with like one of those tour putters that like would cost someone like five grand to buy. And he played so bad, he went to like the local golf galaxy and went and bought a ping putter off the shelf. And I'm pretty sure it's the putter he's still using today. Yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. And um, he's been in great form this year so far. He hasn't 
played uh, in a ton of PGA Tour events. I think his last star was the Hero World Challenge, which I'm not even sure if that counts as a PGA Tour event. But in January, he finished ninth and finished fourth at the um, the Dubai Desert, or sorry, fourth in the Dubai Desert Classic and sixth in the Abu Dhabi. So he's he's in good form and uh, look for him to have a big week this week. Yeah, and then rounding out the picks for the boys, uh, we've got Tully going with uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, also at plus 2,900. Um, seems like this has been the guy you wanted to pick for the last couple of weeks, so what made you go with him this week, Tully? Yeah, I mean, I wanted him at the Genesis Open, but he unfortunately had some non-COVID sniffles that kept him out of the uh, the tournament there, but you know, I think this even fits him better. You know, he's last three years, he's tied 12, tied 6, tied 10th um, in the last three tournaments. Um, in, or, sorry, last three tournaments he's played in, and then Last three uh, years here, he's got top tens, including a runner-up in 2019. So, I mean, he definitely likes Bay Hill. He plays well. And not to mention, you know, I'm, I'm all about those guys that have not gotten their uh, first PGA Tour win. I can't believe I left him off this list uh, a couple weeks ago. But he's another one of those guys. And it seems like this is one of those years where everyone's kind of grabbing that first win. So I like him to get out there and, you know, tell you guys all to fuck off so I can be better than Colin. Another really good long iron player, so... Watch him, watch him on these long par threes. Yeah, he's a big player. He is a big player. Not intimidating, but big. All right, so that's going to wrap up our favorites picks of, week, of the week. Um, we're going to jump into some long shots. Uh, really started off with Ben, who re- went with our longest long shot of the week, uh, with Chris Kirk. He actually picked him to win with odds of plus 7,500. Uh, ben, what do you see about Chris Kirk this week that you like? Yeah, I don't, the number plus 7,500 doesn't intimidate me too much. Once you start getting into the like the five digits, like plus 10,000 and more, you're looking at people that really don't don't have a chance. This guy, uh, he's the king of Bermuda. When he putts well, he's, he's an incredible iron player, uh, drives the ball well, but his putter, I think, is what holds him back. And when he goes on uh, like Western U.S. swings, uh, he just can't read the greens. But... Uh, you know, I'm also looking for a back-to-back, another back-to-back. Uh, what is it? Waking Vision. <laughs> um, he's a, he's also a Georgia Bulldog, so I like to see back-to-back Georgia Bulldog winners. Right, we do have another uh, long shot to win. Um, Colin's going with Jason Day at plus fifty-five hundred to win this week. Obviously, he's a stud player. Fifty-five hundred seems like a lot for him. Uh, what what were you thinking with the Jason Day pick? Yeah, I assume the odds are pretty high just because of his injury history. I mean, he WD'd here in 2019, 2020, but he did win in 2016. And, um, I, you know, I love me some short game. And, I mean, nothing's better than Jason Day chipping and putting around the green. Uh, I think he's the pinnacle when it comes to that. So, uh, yeah, I'll take a flyer on J-Day to win, plus 5,500. How are you not going to look at? <laughs> How do you not look at Bubba here? Is it any time? <laughs> look at Bubba here. Was Bubba even in the field this week? I don't know. I don't think so. He's dreading getting Also a Georgia Bulldog. Georgia Bulldog. It's a factory down there. <laughs> so those were our only picks to win for this week for long shots. We're going to jump it to a couple top five picks. Ken, we're going to start with you and follow it up with Josh. But uh, we've mm-hmm. got Ken picking Paul Casey, the great American, at, yep. for a top five finish at plus 1,000. World's greatest. World's greatest American. Ken, talk to us about Paul Casey. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to do top thirty for <laughs> like even odds. Um, yeah, he, he coming off you know top fifteen Genesis. I mean, uh, you know our guy can uh, our guy can score. We'll, we'll you know just take a flyer on him plus one thousand. Pretty good odds. I think the theme for me here when I look at any of these guys and if they have a chance to place higher, play well, win. Paul Casey is like one of the best long iron players of his generation. Like he plays World like class. a low low trap draw World with his long class. irons. It's unreal. World class player. Yeah, so I'm taking... No one say a bad thing about Paul. Like me, if you listen to the first podcast, I didn't mean it, Paul. I didn't mean it. Paul, Ken loves you. The funny thing is, Ken had no idea about that long iron stat when he picked it. <laughs> He's looking so smart. Best best like, he's looking for an American to win, right? Yeah. Generation. yeah, so I'm taking Keith Mitchell, a top five here, plus 850. Really playing well. I mean, he's, he's played in a lot of events, but he's coming off back-to-back top tens at the Waste Management and the Honda. He just watched his fellow teammate Sepp Straka win Wait, last week. What's Keith Mitchell? I don't know. I don't. Is what's he a, a dog? Bulldog? What's Is a he bulldog? a dog? Let's do it for the dogs this week. Another top five here for Keith Mitchell. Lots of dogs. Love the way he's playing. Love the way he's hitting the ball. He just got to watch, see his teammate win. So a lot of positive momentum coming into this week for Keith Mitchell. You saw him there as it was pouring down rain. Literally, all the fans were even caught off guard by this rain. It was quite funny. And Keith Mitchell's literally sitting there. Shirt is drenched as he's watching as he's watching Sep miss like what was almost a, a birdie putt to just seal the tournament. He taps in for par and still wins. Did he yeah. have some coke waiting for Sep or no? 
No, I heard I heard Seb's a big Coke guy though. That's Diet Coke to you. He's, he's <laughs> watching those calories. That wraps up our top five picks. Uh, I do have one for the top ten. That's Max Homa at plus 430. Uh, If you look at him recently, he's been all around the top ten. He did have one missed cut in his last five starts, but other than that, he hasn't finished worse than a tied for 15. Uh, He's just been playing really good recently. With this field not being, I would say, stacked, I think you can see Max creeping up there easily into the top ten. Then. Did you guys see his tweet today? No. So he's looking at future Masters odds, and Tiger <laughs> Tiger still has better odds than him to win the Masters, and he's like not even played a full round of golf since his injury. And and, and Homo was like, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, can you really be mad being compared against Tiger Woods? It's like I will give Tiger better odds than anybody, except for Rom apparently every week. Rounding out our long shot picks is going to be Tully looking at uh, Zach Johnson with a top 20 finish at plus 600. Tully, talk to us about Zach Johnson. Yeah, I mean, this is a pick made with just heart and patriotism here. You know, just named it's captain boring, of the Ryder Cup team. You, you don't like this pick? No. The world's greatest American is actually Paul. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're talking about a corn-fed Iowan here coming True. to just lead this country to just victory in Italy next year. And I think last last week he missed the cut at, at the Honda, but you know, really I think he was just worried about his performance on his uh, intro video for the Ryder Cup. Mm. Now he's able to focus, rally around, and just just get psyched up for the boys here. He's got to show the team that you know he's got what it takes. Uh, low key, he's gonna end up you know, big climb up the world rankings, and all of a sudden he's gonna be a playing captain, and it's gonna be a lot. If, if we can get Fanduel to do the American versus American bet, jo- uh, Zach Johnson, <laughs> Zach versus Johnson Paul Casey, versus <laughs> boosted, boosted, be appreciated. Yeah, but I, I mean, I just love it. I mean, he's plus twenty eight thousand to win it all. So I mean, that's a that's a little high, but I, I, I can see him sneaking in with a nice little top twenty here for plus six hundred. Feels like good odds. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, that wraps up our long shots of the week. Um, if you feel good about any of those, or you have any thoughts on your own, feel free to shoot Colin an email. Uh, he'd, be, he'd be happy. To <laughs> Shout take, out Coheed. He'd be happy to take a look and get back to the group. But that's good. That's going to wrap up the picks for the boys, and we'll be excited to see what we see here at the Arnold Palmer. Nice. Yeah, we also got a couple more events that either happened this week or are coming up. Uh, we'll start with the one that's already over. Uh, the 2022 Seminole Pro Member at Seminole Country Club in Florida. Uh, this is an event that I personally had never heard of and was so pleasantly surprised when I got to see the players in it. So this is a, a pro member or aka a member guest. And then in this case, the the guest is a pro. So an LPGA or PGA Tour member. Um this thing's massive. We got Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Bryson Shambaugh, Patrick Cantlay, Kevin Kisner, Ricky Fowler, or Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, Louis Oosthuizen, and then both of the Corda sisters playing in this event, uh, along with Rory playing with his dad, and then Tom Brady playing with Louis Oosthuizen. Also, a lot of notable names, uh, maybe not like super famous like Tom Brady, but what an event to be like a Monday event as they're coming off a tour event. These guys are just casually playing in this, like a two-man best ball. What do you guys think about it? Yeah, it's it's quite the star-studded field. I mean, even on the member side, I mean, you're looking at some of the world elites and, and people in prominent roles in business. And, you know, really cool to see Patrick Cantlay, I believe, won the gross competition this year. He was paired up with a board of director member from Goldman Sachs. I know a sponsor of his, someone who also sits on the board for his foundation. So pretty cool. Jessica Corda, I believe, won the net event. I'm sure it's a lot of fun for these guys to go out there and kind of mess around not on the tour, take a little break, and, you know, mess it around a little bit. So how about Cantlay playing with Rom? I mean, I think probably arguably the two best players in the world playing in a, like, casual Monday's, like, best ball foursome. Do you think they play, like, lefty or something just weird just to make it a little Wait, more Wait, I think I saw a video of Rory. I guess maybe it was at a practice round, or it was on Monday, where he was up against the fence, like, you know, those, like, 50-foot fences that go around ranges, and he couldn't get a club on it, so he flips his club around sideways and hits it lefty, and there are literally, like, 25 fans standing along the fence in front of him, and I'm thinking, you really trust this guy right now. <laughs> now, I mean, these are kind of cool events. I'm, I've... Honestly, this is the first time I've ever really heard of them. I'm curious, like, how many more use of these are there? Is it just something that's really just special to Seminole? I obviously know it has a long history of stuff, but I'd be kind of curious to see if there's, you know, a lot of those big, you know, private courses around the country that maybe have more of these going on. Yeah, one of the things I thought was pretty cool about it is when you see a pairing like Tom Brady and Louis Eustace, and it's like, do you think Tom rolled up to the course and was like, man, I'm going to be playing with DJ or Rom or one of these big-name guys, and then he sees the draw and he's 
playing with my boy Louie is like, not saying Louie's not a great golfer, but Whoa. I mean, he is not the guy that you're seeing ahead. I do wonder if they're completely random yeah. or if Tom and Louie are just yeah. fucking boys. Yeah, I was going to say, is there something that they've known each other for 30 years? Like, who who knows what it is? But I just thought that was like a very interesting pairing. It's because Louie thought, man, I need someone who knows how to win on my team. <laughs> or he was going to try to show him how to win out in Europe when they're bringing NFL Europe back. Oh. Tom's just happy not to be with Turtle from Entourage. <laughs> You know, I'd love to know if Louie is crazy because you know who's actually, like most people don't know this is like a really crazy, wild and crazy guy is Ernie Els. Have you ever heard stories about people going on his private jet when they fly from tournament to tournament? It's like legit crazy, like just like drugs all over the place, getting hammered. I would love to see. Coke? Yeah, it's it's a South African thing. Is it a SEP thing? Not Diet Coke either, yeah. Well, cool. Hey, Dub, we also got a HSBC Women's World Championship this coming up this week. Tell us more about that. Yeah, just to touch on it. LPGA gets back to work this week. The HSBC Women's World Championship played in Singapore at the Sentosa Golf Club. It's really referred to as Asia's major. It's really cool to see the LPGA is truly a global brand, and they do a lot of these kind of international tournaments and, and draw a lot of eyes from international markets, which is pretty cool, especially since the PGA Tour generally just focuses in the States. So, yeah, keep an eye out for Danielle Kang, Lydia Ko, Leona McGuire. They're the first three winners on the 2022 LPGA calendar this year. Really solid players, you know, top of the rankings. You got to look for them to compete this week. And so, yeah, really really interesting to see a, a top-notch event, especially coming off a break. You should see some pretty solid play out there this week. It looks like we got some a pretty long list of uh, established and qualified winners here. Michelle Wee, Inby Park, twice Paula Creamer, Stacey Lewis, Kari Webb, Lorena Ochoa. So a really a really talented field and usually produces a really great winner. Yeah, and talk about a uh, international exposure event here. The DP World Tour getting back at it. I think they had three weeks off due to COVID. They had to cancel some events. So they're getting back here with the Magical Kenya Open. What a oh. name. I love that. Oh. There's not enough golf in Africa, dude. So it, it's just really cool to see them playing some like crazy locations that you never would think there's golf going on there. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be waking up early Saturday and Sunday watching this on the Golf Channel and, and seeing some of the sights of the Magical Kenya Open this year. I'm sure there's some crazy holes. Like some you know like that one part three that's in South Africa where you tee off and you literally get in like a helicopter to kind of the greens. So they have some crazy landscapes and, and you know, and especially in Kenya, so it should be a really great golf. Yeah, course. I mean instead of seeing the occasional gator playing down in Florida, you're dealing with lions <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff here out in Kenya. So it'll be interesting. Nice. I think that so that wraps up some of our alternate events this week. Uh, we'll get back out of here. Tully will be leading us in a discussion on uh, how to plan a golf trip. We'll be back in a sec. We got fresh air. We got sunshine. We got a beautiful day. Forget about that shit. Thank God for golf someday. Thank God for golf and our golf trip every year, which we have fun planning, but it can be a little challenging at times. Tell miserable. Walk us through all the things we got to think about and uh, what we got going on for our golf trips. Yeah, man, we've been doing a golf trip now since 2015, so we're coming up on year eight here. You know, really kind of started when we realized shit, we're stuck behind desks all day. We need kind of that escape. And, you know, the big surprise for me was that, you know, it's really not that expensive. You know, there is golf trip out there for any budget, really. Um, up and down the East Coast, primarily where we've, you know, stayed there and Myrtle Beach kind of being like our home general area where there's just so many golf resorts and family courses, things like that, where you can get an unbelievable deal. I think our first golf trip, we got our housing, our golf, um, beers at the course, breakfast and lunch and uh, beer at like a, the pub that was on site for like 300 350 bucks in 2015 so you know you can really with, in, get, with inflation that's, that's inflation. like $600 <laughs> <laughs> you know fresh out of college you know that was a hell of a deal for us and you know really start started something special really led, led to this podcast so you know there's a lot to kind of go into uh the golf trip mentality you know when you're going into it i think the the most important thing to me is the the group you have and i think from our perspective, you know, here at the big players uh, group, you know, it's it's the the drinkers versus non-drinkers. You know, you got to drink. Yeah, you, you, in our group, you definitely the have hell to be is a non-drinker. <laughs> they make those. <laughs> you know, we're not we're not encouraging alcoholism, but yeah, 
Um, Must be 21 to drink. Hey, just as long as you have <laughs> your coffee first, but like, it doesn't matter what you do after that. <laughs> yeah, but, but really what that kind of comes down to is, you know, those AMT times can be a bitch when you're up till 4 a.m. and Colin's over here blasting his EDM on his four-foot speaker. And we have quite a few guys that really kind of struggle to wake up in the mornings. So you got to kind of balance that out. You know, if you gotta, you've got a group that wants to party, you got to kind of avoid those, you know, 8 a.m. tea times, which you know, can actually kind of help in some extent because, you know, it saves, saves some costs. There. I'm kind of a big fan of the morning tea times. Like, I think, well, when we go, we do like at least one or two weekdays too, so the morning rounds aren't too expensive. But I'm a big fan of, yeah, we've been up till four, but let's just get up. We're going to have fun no matter what. Let's get the round over with, and then we'll probably go to the beach after. That, that being said, we've never made it to the <laughs> beach yeah, We after. always say we're going to go to the beach, and we never do. The one time we did, we played soccer for like four hours, and Ken broke Calm, everyone's yeah. toe. <laughs> Uh, but in addition to like outside of just you know the excessive drinking that is always going to accompany a, a solid uh, week with the the boys on a golf trip, you also got to kind of take into account the the level of golfing ability. You know how how serious, how much people in, you know want to you know take these rounds. Golf is a bitch. You know, plain and simple. You know, it is a cruel, cruel mistress. And you know these some of these courses you know that are out there, they'll just eat you alive. And it kind of ruins the vibe. You know, if you're looking for have just a straight up good time, you're you're just relaxing, drinking, boozing, all that kind of stuff. You know, you got to kind of look at you know what you're doing when you're booking the courses. Luckily for us, we've been able to outsource that to Colin, and you know, kind of, he's kind of handled a lot of that. Colin, can you give me a little bit of your mindset when you're picking out the courses for us now? Yeah. I, so I like to try to find a mix. So I I want to find the courses that are going to challenge us because even though we'll, we'll lose a lot of balls, we'll find the water a lot. I think. It, that still makes it fun. I mean, when we're out there drinking, we're losing balls. Who cares? I mean, we just love to out, be out there playing golf and being with friends. Yeah, that's why I buy 48 top flights before we go on every trip. What, what happened when you what? didn't buy top flights that one time? I ran out of mojos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last trip. Do they trip. make mojos anymore? No, discontinued. Wait, so the, here's a question for Colin. What's the perfect balance of like four four tee times in a row? Like like an easy course, hard course? Like what's what do you try to do when you're booking the courses? Do you go like... You know, a layup course in the beginning and the hardest course on Saturday, the hardest course on Friday. What do you do? So I typically will book the hardest or the nicest course on our last round because I think that's a day when we're kind of, everyone's been been going hard for a few days in a row and we're just kind of like, let's go, let's go relax and play a round of golf. I think it's the second or third round, usually an easier or cheaper course, because I know those are the days when we're all Beer hyped ball. up to be there. When you flip the cart. Yeah, we're drinking six, eight beers aside. I mean, we're well, we're having me? a great time out there. That's a lot of beer, honestly. That's I mean, it. It's only six or eight. So I think a comment you made about hard courses too is like we don't want to we don't want to have like no fun. So when a course is too hard, we can struggle and then not enjoy ourselves. But I will say, I think hard is usually pretty synonymous with pretty. And the For best sure. courses we play, although they're hard, they're just like, you can take a picture every hole. And expensive to an extent. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so it's kind of finding that balance, and I think Colin's done a, a pretty good job for us with keeping that, you know, you know, come, you know, the round two or three for us, it, it usually gets a little on the uh, the aggressive side. We usually have a round where we just kind of go full out, highlighted by a, a beer golf round in uh, Myrtle Beach. Ken looks like you might have somebody wants to say here. No, I'm just laughing. <laughs> That's uh, a, well, I, building off that, like, we do different formats too, right? Like, some courses, if they're really hard, but it's like the la end of the week, we could do like a scramble or something, right? Yeah, and that's kind of one of the big things that you also kind of want to consider. You know, you, you think about, you know, what kind of style of, you know, the trip you want to have. It. You know, you can do a whole Ryder Cup team event. You could do like an individual. It's a big, you know, four-round stroke play like you do on the PGA Tour. Or you can just be the full on, you know, fuck it, we're just out there to have a good time. You know, in our experience, you know, we try that, you know, tournament style and making different events. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, we get after the, the first round, we come home, we usually have like a, a big scoreboard or something and we write the round in and then if we get back from the second round, we completely forget and it's just chalk for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, and it, it, we, we have, we've got a trophy that is constantly lost. Shout out Zach for buying that after year one. Where is it? I think it's sitting in my guest room right now. So you know, anyone it's also very phallically shaped, isn't it? I mean, there's a there's a head, <laughs> there's a shaft. You know, <laughs> I think I think Colin's name, Zach's name. And who else on there? I won the first time. Oh, shout out! I think, I think I'm on there too. I think to combat the idea that we're so bad at keeping score that we've evolved to one of our rounds being a scramble round, and it's like regardless of what's happened on the trip, this is like a singular event. 
and we can just party after the round based on who won and not because it doesn't matter. The other rounds don't matter. Yeah, and, and the scramble round is always a uh, a fun fun event, like a cheaper it, course too. Yeah, it's usually that cheaper course that you can kind of you rewards you for those you know those big plays and just bombing it down there. Let, let's bomb and gouge big plays, bomb and gouge, bomb and gouge, bomb and gouge. But like you know, then even that kind of took some took some you know finessing. You know, we worked through Powered that scramble. I think our first scramble was we went with the beer golf. You know, the you're, you had your scramble team, and it was every four drinks consumed, you took an extra stroke off your scramble score. What a mess! <laughs> there, there was there was you know that's when we thank God Uber was around, so we you know had a nice Uber to the course. Always drink responsibly. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely responsible. Uh, nice thing about our first golf trip, you know, most of the courses were right on site, so you didn't really have to, you just kind of walked there. It was pretty, pretty delightful. But, you know, we kind of learned that, you know, that, that beer golf kind of makes the next, next, next day a little rough. So, so now it's just kind of a more free flow and scramble and, you know, maybe someone ends up on top of a cart, you know, yeah, as we get into our early thirties here, we don't do much <laughs> beer golf anymore. Uh, other big, big part about, um, you know, your golf trip is what happens after golf, you know? In while yes, we may be in our early thirties. You know, we like to have a good time. You ever played Grand Theft Auto? Twenty nine. I'm still twenty nine. Yeah, I'm still twenty nine. What's this? We in our early. A lot of people 30s? here at twenty nine. It's like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Other than other than uh, CEO Ben here, everyone will be turning thirty this year or is already. Oh, stop start trying to loop us into your thirty. AARP just Shut around up, the corner. Nineteen ninety two. But you know, there's that that nightlife or staying in kind of thing. What you're dealing with. We've kind of embraced the whole. You know, one. One Balance. real, real solid night, nightlife out. I don't know what happened last year, Tully. I felt like you stayed. You don't in remember me? Out. I, I was. A, I had a, played a very integral role as I had to drive people home and then never got the text. So I'm, I'm a little insulted. But say, I think actually, I no, I got a, I got a text like four but, hours that night. It's yeah. called seren- It's called um, you know serendipity. Oh, that's right. You sang karaoke. You forgot. Yeah. What'd you <laughs> sing, hey, Tyler? What'd you sing again? Can you remind? Can you give us a little tidbit of that? I, I had a few songs. Um, a preview. I think my favorite one was uh, "Shallow." I had a nice uh, partner up there sample, on stage. Sample here? I, I, not, the no sample. Party. No samples. I think there's probably like Tell copyright infringement or something like that. Boy. Also, uh, Colt Forty Five. <laughs> I'm not Doozy. familiar. That, that was a, a banger. I'm not that familiar with that one. That I'm not song familiar. is very, very crude. I had no idea. Yeah, so basically, like, you, you kind of mix in those sort of things. What we found works best, you know, you've got you've got those nightlife where you know those are the nights to remember, and then you've got those. Okay, you're playing that nice course in if the you morning. can remember. Yeah, uh, remember, you know, it's blurry. You can't really say that for with any confidence. But then you got to mix in those staying in where it's a, you know, the classic poker night or, you know, seventeen guys in a hot tub with some corn flakes. Or just around, like yeah, everyone, you know, you whatever know massage is. night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hot tub. <laughs> hot tubs are a must. You get very sore after you know. Riding around in a cart and drinking excessively. I think something we don't recognize too is when we have like, you know, 12 or 16 guys, we usually have a good balance, right? There's like pretty much half and half. Half want to go out, half want to stay in, and vice versa. So that, that really helps like with the with the dynamic of the group because we got to have like some adults in the morning when, when we all come back hungover. What half are we? <laughs> we don't remember which half we are. That's what half we are. I mean, that leads to the perfect, the last like major factor. I think is that group size. Um, you know, like, like Ben just mentioned. You know, we've kind of had a variety there, whether it's eight, twelve, four, sixteen, whatever it is. The biggest thing in my mind is you know trying to keep it in that increments of force when you're making those tea times. You know, barring you know someone not feeling up to it, not making a round in the next morning. Shout out Ken. Um, you know, you, you avoid getting Tell paired me. with any sort of randoms. Not that, on a sanctioned golf trip. <laughs> uh, but you avoid getting paired with like a random that might not have the same uh, mindset as you going into that day. You know, you're in you're in that beer golf round, and all of a sudden, this you know, 85 year old guy that's just kind of looking to get a a quick round in is watching you drink 47 beers on the back nine and forgetting life, and you know, he's not looking for that. There's but, also that sense of like when you're planning these things. You have to make the tee times, and a lot of times we pre prepay for them. So it's like you know, once a week, once we get a commitment, we have those full tee times booked off. The quantities of four are necessary for sure. And, and I'm curious, you know, here around around the table, we got you know, what what do the boys think? What's your favorite? Eight, twelve, sixteen. We're going twenty four this year. What are we go? This is a highly contested right. question amongst the boys. Let, let me go ahead and I, start that one off. Every <laughs> year, I try to say twelve. <laughs> um, I love our group. I truly do. But it is such a pain trying to get Ubers to the course, uh, trying to just get everyone lined up in the house. It's like when you've got 16, that's so many people. To me, I think 12 was the perfect number. But at this point, we've had so many fill-ins over the years. It's impossible to tell someone that they can't come on another trip or we don't want you to come because we want everybody to come. They give you those puppy dog eyes. You just can't say no. 
I think 16 is a better number. <laughs> <laughs> I think 16 is great. Like I, like, I don't know. Like I think 30 would be fine. I'd put 16. Whoa. Like, I just think like the more, the merrier. I don't really think Not that the quantity, by four. I don't think true 29. <laughs> then I don't think that, I don't think that okay. the, the quantity of people really affect the dynamic. Like we usually find ourselves partitioning into, you know, when it's 12 halves, when we get to 16, it's maybe three groups, stuff like that. So I, I'm not a big fan of shrinking it. The more, the merrier. Love it. I would, I would agree with 12 is probably ideally in like a vacuum is the best number, but 16s allowed us to get much bigger houses too. As the person who's booking the houses in the last couple of years, you know, putting up that money for you guys early. He, he finally does something. I, I, <laughs> I, I do think that, um, you know, that the 16 number really opens that up a ton. So, but I, I agree that 12 is probably best like, in an ideal it, world. It's really just logistics world. for me with a yeah. 12. It's just so much easier to get around. It's yeah. like, I have no problem with like hanging out with 16, but then 20 you, people but in once the we house. Go on, we're on t- almost 10 years going on this thing and you invite so many people and then you always want everyone to come back. So you really 16 is a good number for that kind of thing. If your first golf trip at 16 might be a big, a little bit of a reach if you're just going for the first time. Yeah. And once we start expanding the geography of this trip, start flying to Scottsdale or the West Coast, I mean, it's going to be a lot harder to coordinate with 16 people. 12 is probably the sweet spot there. Yeah, now that we got blood coming on the trip too, we got zip coming this year. I mean, who knows? Maybe we even expand and maybe uh, that's my in, brother. Maybe in years in the coming up, we'll have Eliza join us one year. Who knows? Now Shout out Eliza! Blood. I think what a, a big thing really comes down to though is you got to have the group of people that you're going to have a good time with. And we've we found a solid group. You know, you've got your wild cards. You got your people that you know may all of a sudden walk home from that wild night out and be passed out on the beach, hanging out with Dirty Harry, doing whatever it's going on. You got people that might ruin some furniture. You know, sliding across floors, whatever it may be. You know, things things happen, but it's a great time. Sliding it, across it, floors. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you know, if you have a good group of you know guys, girls, whatever it is. You know, it's, it's going to be a good time. It's something I highly encourage pretty much everyone to you know try to do. If you love golf, you you got your group that you're golfing with, you know, you're going to get to you know experience some new courses, have a good time. But the, what I really want to ask the boys now is what do you feel are like the must-haves? You know, the one thing you know, we didn't necessarily mention here that you need to have on that golf trip. Should we go around the room? Yeah, sure. Who, who wants to start off? Must-haves. I was thinking the one thing you got to have – so if you got a group of 16, you got to have at least four speakers. Each group, maybe even each cart's got to have a speaker oh, for music. Of, I mean, without... A lot of speaker trading You know, it's like, on. especially like when they... they the people the can just tell. Dead. They can just tell we're on our golf trip. They don't really... Like, normal course rules aren't necessarily applying, so we can be a little louder. <laughs> There's like, no rules! We can drink a little more, and, and having good music is just... It makes it so much better when the sun's shining, it's beautiful out. Having some having some good music is key. Yeah, and it's definitely key with those speakers to hope they're uh, waterproof. Um, we, you know, we've definitely had some speakers end up in pools, you know, rainy, rainy rounds, all sorts of stuff, you know, keep those speakers bumping, but you know, keep them yeah, safe. And shout out to the courses that have USBs in their carts to help charge, uh, that and jewels. <laughs> <laughs> Golf trip jewels, a whole new thing, whole new topic. How about you, Ken? What, what do you think is the most important you know, or underrated thing to have on a golf trip? Oh, is it like a must-have, like a thing you bring, or just anything that could happen? Yeah, just you know, people to have there, what you know, things to bring, you know, aspects of the goal. Key to I, success, I think. And I don't, I don't participate in this often, but I think the must-have is like the one or two days where you have like the 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. hang. That's some of the best times. Like when we go out in the backyard, not ten. Like forcing yourself to get up, yeah. Yeah, like last year. Your hip still bruised? <laughs> yes. La- that's That was actually the most fun I had last year. It was like, you basically, you, I forced myself to get up early. I drink coffee and kombucha mixed with vodka, whatever. <laughs> and, and get out there. And then you have that like three hour stretch where you know you can just have some fun in the pool, hanging out. Like those those days, I think, like during the day when you know you have a late round, a 2 p.m. round, like I think that is borderline the most fun. And also, honorable mention, the pool, I just think about the pool in general, the post round pool. If someone else is going to say that, I don't know, I'm sorry. But when you come back from the course and you jump in the pool like three years ago, we had the uh, the house or we had that shared. Long ways or sideways, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think the pool in general, like the, during the day, kind of like I, I'm a big fan of late, late tea times. So like if you can get out there a couple hours before and a couple hours after the tea time, I think it's great. Ken, that's exactly where I was going to go. I was going to say we need some sort of body of water, yep. whether it's yep. a pool, whether it's a uh, six-person hot tub to get 12 of us to squeeze in there, uh, whether it's the beach to jump in the bay, whatever it is, just having that body of water there just to kind of chill and hang at. Because yeah, I think showering is kind of overrated on the golf trip. <laughs> it's weird once you let the third guy in there. Two was fine. It's weird once the third's in the shower. Yeah, Tippy's definitely a big 
you know, body of water guy. I, I remember, I think it was our second golf trip. You know, he was really upset we didn't have a hot tub, but there was a jacuzzi. Is a hot we, tub a body of water? Hey, we're counting in this case, but <laughs> is a hot tub a jacuzzi? Timmy's body was I, in the water. I think I was a body the of in-house water. jacuzzi. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah the I, body is seventy five percent water. I remember walking into the, to the bathroom, and all of a sudden, Tippy's just in the uh, jacuzzi all by himself in his bathing suit. <laughs> I, had some, I had some drawers on. Yeah, You're fine. Yeah, I said he's got Please. his bathing suit on, but he's just you know having the time of his life all by himself. Coverage. There. You only need coverage. That's all you need. <laughs> we picked him up some bubbles for the next day, so it was all good. That was like I too. One of my favorite memories from golf trip is that yeah, like I think it was last year. Well, when we we all got up at like nine or ten a.m., we went out to the pool. We we're partying. We're kind of laying out, drinking, boozing. I mean, by the end of the day, we were pretty tired. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I don't know. That was the precursor to our big karaoke night out. So hit the hit the pool pretty hard, the hot tub pretty hard, and then you know got home at four thirty in the morning. So I will say I was unintentionally wearing my tiger red there on that Saturday afternoon from sitting out all morning. I was a little toasty. <laughs> What, what golf tournament did we have last year? You remember? Uh, PGA Championship. Yeah, Championship. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, Phil Akiwa, yeah. All right, Colin, what, what do you think here? What, what's your uh, most important thing to have on the golf trip? So I'm not going to say this is the most important thing, but one thing I love to have is that last night dinner. Oh. We, we all go out. We find a nice steakhouse. Golden Corral. <laughs> just so good. Ben's ordering black and blue steaks. <laughs> I want that thing breathing. We have a slop nice, them nice bottle of slop steaks. We're slopping them up. But yeah, just that last nice dinner to just sit around, relax, and just recap the weekend is just a great time. It's I also good to go out. to a fancy steak and wine house after you've spent all your money. So you can be a little more frugal because if you go at the beginning of your trip, it's gone. That actually brings up a great point that you know I was thinking of is one thing that I think we learned after that first trip was you, you don't want to drive home after that that last round, you know. You're exhausted from the week. You want to be able to enjoy that dinner. We, we have people, in our, on our first trip, we, you know, we played a whole round, went out, and we just then had to drive eight hours home to Maryland from Myrtle Beach, and that was just exhausting, and you didn't get to really enjoy that last round, you know. So I think that's, a, that's another big thing. Book that extra day. Take that extra day off work and just kind of – Ease your way in, allows you to kind of clean up the house the next morning, all that kind of stuff. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah, well, you deserve it. Speaking you of calls, it. steakhouse point, like we basically paired up for bottles of wine last year, and me and Tully paired up, and I like <laughs> Tully had just strict cash, and I just woke up, I had like a hundred dollar bill in my like pocket. I'm like, where the Tyler and Matt this? like purposefully drank beer. They would not. <laughs> I was like, wine. what are you guys doing drinking these like sixty dollar bottles? Like I'm gonna sit here and sip my fat tire or whatever I was drinking. Just it was Miller Lite. You were fueled by Miller Lite now and always. True. Wasn't there like a NASCAR? driver there yeah there was a, we were in the poconos oh, it was yeah. two years ago i think yeah. and that's a good call call i like that yeah i think the poconos and there was just a big nascar race there and all of a sudden you know we were just forced to be outside and because the nascar racer had the entire inside i don't think matt like looks at me the same after i had like a black and blue steak and like a really dry red wine <laughs> he's like you ain't the boy i thought you was <laughs> All right, Tyler, what do you got for us? Uh, I was the body of water oh, guy. that's true. Your big body uh, of water. We covered that one. Yeah, for me, it's all about the drinking. I mean, strokes gain drinking is probably the most important stat for me on a golf trip. I want to wake up. I want to drink a Bloody Mary, s- spell it out with a couple beers during the round. And it's all about the transfusion at the turn or after the round. That's really where the, the drinking really starts and, and gets going. I mean, we've had a couple trips where the, the transfusions have just not stopped. Shout out Talamore. Talamore, 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 Talamore. I told my dad what a transfusion was, and I was like, like it's a real fancy drink. He's like, that's just what we used to drink back in the day. That's just that's purple drink. <laughs> that purple yeah, drink. Just, just that purple drink. But <laughs> just that, a new you know. branding. Is that how your dad talks? Yes. <laughs> Shout out, Larry. You can listen to this podcast. That's a pretty funny story because we, we stopped in after a round at, at Talamore in, in Pinehurst, North Carolina, and, and someone had ordered the first transfusion, and they ordered it as a double and the bartender just assumed that everyone else after that wanted doubles. So we're all going up. We probably had like 40 of these things. And they're like $16 a piece. We left that place with no money in our pockets. That was a nice walk home. You know? The funny thing was, it was someone different getting the round every time. So they would all go up and the bartender <laughs> would the ask, fuck? do you want the same as your friends? And we'd be like, sure, why not? They also just left us there. They closed the bar around on the patio. They're like, all right, just put your glasses on the table. That was, a, that was an adventure. Can I make an honorable mention for most important thing on a golf trip? Yeah. Cheese balls. Cheese balls are necessary. <laughs> snacks. We need snacks. We need it. And that Big actually cheese. leads to to my you know must have. You gotta have you gotta have that guy that wants to cook. Yeah, you gotta good have, food. Shout out Chef Maimon. Yes. You know, we, we got our boy. He's he's dedicated. He got really love got, you, May. He got sick of the uh, cheese ball cheese it diet that we took on the, the first couple of golf trips, and now now we're getting just gourmet 
crockpot meals that you know he's just happy to you know prepare for us while we're all out there boozing drinking in the pool you know having a great time he he's dedicating himself to that and that, that really keeps us alive makes us all be able to wake up for that next round speaking of crockpot when we came back from longboards that night last year <laughs> we were out late, the crockpot was was still on baby and we went to town yeah he's not necessarily great at turning off the crockpot <laughs> but you know it, it gets cooked it's in the exactly time what we needed <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think that those kind of wrap up the the big points for uh, you know planning a golf trip. I really encourage everyone to to you know go ahead and do that. Reach out to us. You know, reach out. Big players only pod at, on Instagram. Reach out. We'll give you some tips. Tell us where we've been. You know, definitely go ahead and do that, man. Yeah, any interest in, in Myrtle Beach, Ocean City? We went to the Outer Banks. We went to the Poconos. If you get any questions about golf trips, hit us up. We'll give you some advice. Thanks again for joining us. Another episode of Big Players Only Podcast. If you want to, please go follow us on Instagram at Big Players Only Pod. That's at Big Players Only Pod. Thanks for joining us.